Hi, Mrs. Ryan. Good morning. Who's on the show today? Jay Manahan is going to be here. From the D.L. Hughley show. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I can't wait. What are you doing? Putting my shoes on. Your Hunziker shoes? Those are the ones. Pretty cool. Nice cane. Thanks. I like your socks. <laughs> Thank you. See you out there. Okie doke. I never knew that. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. I didn't know that either. That's hilarious. I'm going to make a note on your card right here. All right. <laughs> Carl Reiner incest. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. This is our rumors Just kidding, get started. everybody. Just kidding. Welcome back. Uh, Welcome back at home. Uh, I did that already. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the old late night play set. Today is Wednesday, February 12, 2020. My name is Jay Ryan. This is Nicole Ryan. We're the Ryans. And welcome back to the old late night play set. Uh, our guest tonight is uh, a. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> guest tonight is a guy who shares a name uh, with me. And uh, he spells it differently in a, a handful of different ways. But J. Mandy Ham, Mandy Ham, Mandy Ham. Because I thought until about a half an hour before the show, from the day I met you a year and a half ago or whatever till today, that it was Mandy Man. I like all your shit on Facebook. I'm just dyslexic is all. <laughs> anyway, J. Mandy Ham is here. Uh, um, he's been here before, but you weren't – did you come on – you did come on camera. Or, do you remember? I you didn't, okay. I, I but don't but think it so. was with uh, a different comedy booking. Uh, Kevin Rooney. Kevin Rooney. Oh, God, the great Kevin Rooney. Yeah. Thank you, Richard Chasler, for that fantastic booking. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, I anyway, love that so guy. Jay's here. We're going to talk to him more in a few minutes. And uh, oh, gosh, actually, I forgot. I think there he is right there. Yeah. Hi, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a camera on him. I forgot we did that. Right, guest cam. So All many right. changes. I know. What are you going to do? I love it. All right. Uh, so welcome back. We're going to talk to him. It's going to be fun. Blah blah blah. Um, did you have the DL Hughley job when you were here last, or did you get that after? It, uh, it was after. But but soon after, I think so. Probably. Yeah. That's very cool. All right, we're going to talk all about that too. He was in here and he was like, "Oh, I, I like what you do." And then the next time I saw him, it was like he's on television doing. He's a co-host on a show like this. <laughs> it's very funny. I do what you do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Mrs. Ryan, how are you feeling today? What's going on with you other than an adorable, colorful outfit that we saw in the, uh, the opening? Uh, so cute. Thank you. I'm in a ton of pain, and my eyes don't feel like they connect. So if I look funny, sorry. With each other or uh, with whatever you're trying to look at? Uh, with whatever I'm trying to look at. Like, I'm looking at you, and one of them will just wander that way. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to look at Woody Allen. Oh, and you can see it. <laughs> yeah. But it's not happening for me. Like, okay. we're looking at you. It's not You don't get all Marty Feldman on me. I would rather that. If I can deal with it, whatever I see, that's, as long as I don't look like I'm looking different directions. Very dated reference, but I can't think of anyone famous now with a lazy eye. Who would be a more current reference than Marty Feldman? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like trying to make that reference. There isn't one. Right? I, I guess you would say a pug these days. Get it fixed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyone has one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, a couple things to do. There's East Coast feeds as usual, but but 
we have to uh, do a bit of business here, Mrs. Ryan, because we uh, at one point recorded a commercial for our podcast, the podcast on Anchor. Um, however, uh, uh, it was long, and it's time to do a new one. Okay. So it's the same thing again, but we're going to try to be a little bit quicker, a little more concise, uh, since people have to listen to it every damn time. Oh. Know what I mean? Gotcha. Anchor. All right. Here we go. Oh, gosh, that's it. Rerecord this hat. Here we go. <laughs> so that's, let's not start it with me doing that again, because that's <laughs> really annoying. <laughs> you good? Good. I don't know what we're doing, but I think we, uh, we just do this here, right? Yes, I think so. The goal of this ad is to encourage your audience to make their own podcast using Anchor, including your own experience and perspective. Tell them why you love Anchor. This, oh, okay. Oh, Oh, that was not okay. So the script. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> Run. <laughs> Sorry. Details and script. I would love to say that all of this will be cut out, but it won't. You're gonna have to sit through it. Press and record, Mrs. Ryan. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, Mrs. Ryan. Tell me yeah. what that says. I can't read. It's free. There's creation <laughs> tools that allow you to record your ed- and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You may make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Mrs. Ryan, the mandatory call to action is download this free Anchor app to go to... <laughs> oh, shit, I screwed that up. All right, well, whatever. We'll do that again tomorrow. God damn it. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> you're, you're a mess. <laughs> I am. I know exactly what it is, too, but I can't tell everybody else. There's other stuff going on. Okay. <laughs> There's other stuff going on behind Just the scenes. Just put a pin in that, everyone, and we'll try to get it together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited. For the guest, and what I need to do is push some buttons over here, play some feeds, and just get to that and stop talking. How's cool. that? All right, Mrs. Ryan, pressing the East Coast feed button. Great. Roll it, Hal. Hey, Mrs. Ryan, look, it's Brooke and the Cows, man. And look where we are, Mr. Ryan. Come on, baby, you ready? Gonna make a quick turn. Turn for Jay. Mr. Ryan, you know where we are. We're in Manhattan, but where are we? Better question, right here. Uh, uh, oh, my the Winter Garden. You see it? See, she, Brooke doesn't really care. Hey, babe, how you doing? We're at the Winter Garden, which used to have what? Cats. Oh, it's and what you see right across from Mr. Ryan? Mars, 2112. Mars. Not there anymore. I don't give a shit if I was a tourist. I'm not a fucking tourist. Anyway, look, the stardust behind us, Mr. Ryan. We had Tall Chris Rock there. Isn't it? We're back home again. Just want to give me some random love. We're going to see Beetlejuice before it leaves the uh, Broadway theater uh, tonight. And that's all she wrote. Brooke really has to pee. Right, babe? Love you guys. <laughs> He continues uh, to perpetuate an incorrect uh, tale there. He, he loves to say that we saw Chris Rock at uh, that diner at Stardust. I've never been inside that diner. I've, I've driven, I drove by it every single day when I used to drive to NBC just because that's how I would come in. That's the 56th route. Street, Broadway, 48th Street. That's what I used to do uh, to get into the parking garage. But, but, but. Uh, what he is thinking of is uh, there used to be a restaurant, very short-lived restaurant, called TV City. Television. It was called TV City, not Television City out here. And it was at the bottom of 30 Rock, and they had a little talk show set up, and it was all TV-based. It was basically like a themed restaurant for what's going on upstairs. And that is where we saw Chris Rock and a bunch of SNL people because, of course, they were right upstairs. That's where the office is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, uh, you know where Hurley's is? It's right opposite Hurley's on the, uh, on the, uh, the 30 Rock building. All right. Mm-hmm. Everything leads to 30 Rock. Yeah, it kind of does. 
kind of does. Remember right. that, Steve Kaz. Uh, one more here. Uh, I think we're at BMW now. Roll it, Hal. Good morning, Mr. And Mrs. Ryan. East Coast Speed. Look, from BMW. Who knew? That's where we're at. Boom, there it is. So, hey, got a fun one today. We had a loaner card get returned. Uh, that's We're going to put it, we're going to say it's got returned. Let's just take a look here. Oh, here it is. Wait, what, what, what's this big tarp, you ask? Let's take a look around the car. Oh, wait a minute. That's not going to buff out. Hold on a second. Oh, nothing like returning a loaner car after rolling it over. But the good news is, wait, maybe there's a good section. No, no, that panel's not savable. Let's take a look over here. Well, no. It's not going to buff out, boys and girls. It's not going to buff out. Um, so, yeah. Brand new 2020 loaner. A couple of airbags. You know, whatever. Love you guys. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's a loaner? Holy cow. Yeah, and he's got so many there. I mean, there's a huge BMW facility, so they've got a ton of them. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> that sucks. That looks yucky. Ew. <laughs> Gross. All right. We're going to take a, I think we're going to take another stab at the anchor commercial when our guest's in here. That'll be fun. Uh, That'll in the meantime, fun. Mrs. Ryan, I'm going to ask the question that's on everyone's mind. <laughs> What's going on, Mrs. Ryan? I got distracted by my color for shirt. And I can't speak. Um, in... Uh, outside of Nova Scotia, outside of Halifax, uh, there's a bookstore called Otis and Clementines, and there's little kittens there all the time. You can adopt them from there, but you can also just sit and read with a kitten on your lap. I love that. I mean, I love cats, but that's adorable. It's adorable, and they're doing such cool things to find new ways to bring attention to populations of animals that just want to talk to people. It's adorable. The picture, I'm going to put one up. So cute. I forgot how much I like having a cat on my lap when I read. Because the cat's always in there, and, like, I don't sit with her. Um, I, I know what you mean. Um, also, it was your cat, and she doesn't like you as much anymore So since I came into the picture. So, I mean, I can understand where you would miss it. Did she used to sit with you? Yes. And we just used to sit anymore. together all the time on the couch when I was single and I had my old apartment. What changed other than me arriving? Uh, I started traveling more. I wasn't home as much. The other cat and then you. Mm. Sorry, ma'am. She's happy now, though, for the first time. So that's nice. I, not for the first, but in the first time since I've known her. She's happy again. Much happier. How should I? Maybe I'll say that. That's better. I'm not trying to say I made her happy. She's just a happier animal now than you she was when I met her. You make all of us ladies happier. It is what it <laughs> okay, is. Okay, all right, okay. Life's okay. fine. I'm going to move on. <laughs> Everyone's happier. Um, I'm going to say this really quickly. I don't want to stick on it because I'm going to go into it more later. But there are studies being done that they found a weird connection and correlation. And they... Everyone uh, applies causational rules, and it's not. It's a correlations. But um, people that are bl- born with congenital blindness don't get schizophrenia. There, it, it, the study's been going on since the This kind of makes sense to me. Isn't schizophrenia a loss of reality or at least a loss of touch with a constant reality? Yes, but they're This fi- makes sense to me, yeah. though, when someone isn't – they're using different senses to – you know what I mean? They they don't have this uh, this reality as we know it. Yeah, 
the 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 uh, story's been going on a long time. There's been no the, uh, across continents: London, Australia, and Rochester, where I'm from. Randomly. <laughs> Crazy. Um, but there is so it's not a new study. Like five hundred million people. Like it's not a new small study. Um, but the comparisons are now like if you go blind later in life, do you have the same? Um, propensity for schizophrenia not happening and that is not true because people find that different senses being taken away cause different hallucinations to happen so that makes sense like a phantom pain if you lose a limb yeah so those uh correlations are all being looked into it's super neat and i talked more about what i want can i just say one thing yeah completely uh unrelated to that story but also along the same lines i read a thing today uh where uh oh sorry (laughs) talking into my mug uh uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh today uh uh, um there was a study about uh rats that um it was a neurological study and that's why the relevance <clears throat> that if they tapped into uh, an anesthetized rat, a rat that has been put under, uh, uh, if they tapped into uh, the part of the brain that, that connects with consciousness, that, like, that, that rat zaps right awake. I read that too. Despite the drug. It's crazy. I put it along the same type of thing. It's like, oh, if you're going to go in there and deal with the, uh, the coding and the software or whatever, I, you're going to get some weird reactions. Yeah, I look at that too, and it, everything I read in different articles this morning was like this, and something I did a story, but yesterday of like, life finds a way. Like, it, yeah. your body will figure out how to do what it needs to do. Like, I talk funny, but like not forever, unless I make myself talk funny and like reteach myself how to talk funny. Like, I know how to not talk funny, so I'll focus on that. Oh, you mean you know what it's like somewhere inside, yeah, so, so you're going to aim towards that. Sure, as sure. I decline, <laughs> I can either like lean into like falling apart, yeah. or I know how to not yeah. talk like I'm That's falling apart. Absolutely, so you train yourself. Yeah. yeah. So right. your life awesome. finds a way. Um, okay, I'm so glad that there was so much with Steve Cass, because this last one is for him. There is a Batman-themed restaurant opening in London. (laughs) If anyone's going to go, it's going to be him. I don't see it happening soon for him, but I can't wait to see what he says. It's huge. 18,000 square feet underground. Um, Oh, is it the Bat Cave? Is that what it is? Yeah, sure. It's under an Art Deco. It's in an Art Deco building. Like, they went all out for this. The guy that did the O2, designed the O2 Theater crafted this and designed this it's super neat it's all the dc comic people and there is a who's the harley quinn the one that he likes there's a there's three bars and five restaurants in this space so it's a whole it's a whole event space it's a whole uh go there for everything it's not just a restaurant or whatever different it sounded like disneyland (laughs) yeah it sounds like like it's a theme park that's funny enjoy in london you said in london all right Hey, and that's been <laughs> the longest news ever. No, it wasn't. What's going on, Mrs. Ryan? Dun, 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 dun. Even with all of that, uh, we're still five minutes less than we normally are. It's fifteen minutes. You know Good. what I'm saying? So it's 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 just enough time for me to record this again. You ready? <laughs> Let's try it. Let's just try it real quick. All right. Yes. Start over. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. 
There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Isn't that right, Mrs. Ryan? Yes, sir. (laughs) Sounds perfect. That was great. There you go. 30 seconds on the mark. We did it. We did it. Submit. Yes, update my ad. Congratulations, everybody. You were here for a momentous occasion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. All right, lady. I love you so much. All right. Let's get us back here. Let's take a uh, quick break, right? Yeah. That's it. We did everything. We got it all done? Yeah. All right. Closed up the thing. We shut it down. We shut it down. All right. Quick break. We're going to get some sort of reins on this here. I'm very excited to see Richard Chasler. Who's here? He's not not able to make all of the Wednesday bookings these days because he's so busy. But I love it when he's here. The energy's better. Uh, Jay Mannion will be in here in the studio, in the set, in that chair right there when we get back. <laughs> More to come after this. <laughs> so delicious it's a hot sauce made by bears garlic and serrano mixed with love and care you can put it on your eggs pour it on your rice it's great on a leg it's better on a slice it's oh so delicious it's a hot sauce made by bears oh so delicious hot sauce great on everything except oatmeal get your bottle today at osodelicious.org one dollar from every bottle sold goes to the national military family association <laughs> oh, with that, we are back, Mrs. Ryan. What's missing? What's missing? Our guest Oh, shit. Missing. I knew there was something. Oh, my goodness. All right. Please do me a favor and welcome our guest who wanted to walk in today, the gay handyman. No, that's not right. No, that's what it was in third grade. Jay Maniam is here. Please come on in, Jay. <laughs> I love the want to do the walk it was a steve mazon did the walk in well i figured you know it's a talk show like yeah. you get the you get the little uh if uh, you know in theory if i had theme music from like a tv show i was on it would be playing as i walked out what uh, what would you walk out to if there were a song that were clearable for youtube uh, I don't know. Um, they ask me that at the comedy clubs all the time, and I can never think of an answer. I'm usually just like, ah, uh, what about Fuel by Metallica? Yeah, that, that's a good that's one. That's your go-to? That's your just wing it choice? <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that's what you say. How does that song go? I, I, I know, like, Enter Sandman. Uh, everyone knows Enter Sandman. That's uh, my point. I don't know anything about Metallica, but I know that one. Oh, God. Uh... I couldn't even tell you the lyrics, but I just love the tune. That's what I mean. How's it go? It goes, give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Oh, okay. High energy. I'm coming to bring it kind of a deal? Yeah. And then you walk out. Yeah, then, yeah, clearly they're probably expecting some sort of like metal comic, you know. And then I would. Yeah. Fred Durst or something. Exactly. Then I come out. It's they want. They're expecting Dice or Kinnison, and it's me. Well, I don't want to create a new twist to your act, but that's not bad. If you did start doing something that looking like you, I can't imagine that's going to go. Hickory Doc. Uh, so welcome back, man. Uh, thanks for coming hey, back. Hey, thanks for having uh, me. It was only, it was probably a year ago. It was a while ago, out, yeah. Uh, that Kevin was on the show. Um, and you were, was it true that, were you really an intern for him at the time? Or was that more of like just a, oh, that's why he's here with me? 
Oh, I think he was just kidding okay, when he, he said was like, that. Here's my comedy intern, and he was like, "Okay, no, no, no." I just, just his buddy. Oh yeah, we, I, yeah. I, I, I help him out. I drive him. I drive him places. I'll like help him with some of his like uh, just. Just like his general like life things, I help him out with. That's, That's awesome. all. I heard he finally sold the vet, the one that was over at Leno's garage. Uh, I think he did. We filled out paperwork for that and gave it to Leno. Uh, so I think he might have actually <laughs> sold sorry, it. I should have sold it to Leno. <laughs> <laughs> the car was just sitting there. He might happy him as well. Uh, well, welcome back to you. Um, what's been going on? From when I saw you last, you got a job on the D.L. Hughley show. It I, was awesome. We were actually enjoying watching it on the uh, Apple TV. Oh, you guys used to watch it? And that That's went great. Away. Yeah, That's no, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much and, for watching. And then it went away yeah. recently. Yeah. Uh, bummer. So what's up? Okay. Uh, well, I'm looking for a job right now. So if you are hiring comedy interns on uh, Late Night Playset, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I have experience. The comedy department is growing, however, so maybe. That may be necessary. Like, <laughs> Contradictory. Uh, no, so I was. I did. We did a uh, hundred twenty-five episodes of the DL Hughley show, and that well, was. Tell, uh, tell me about that a little bit. Where I didn't mean to cut you off, no. but I mean like extra. Go on. Go on for DL Hughley. Uh, so I was on. I was on. The, I spent most of two thousand eighteen on the road with DL. Uh, we had written his uh, Netflix special together, and then I was oh. kind of on the road with him after that. Uh, really, actually. Uh, we did the Netflix special. I thought I was never going to see him again, and then I I took a job at the Laugh Factory as uh, as like an assistant to the owner, Jamie. Jamie, buddy, buddy, buddy. Uh, yeah. Hey, buddy. So I was I was answering Jamie's phones all day, and then uh, one night DL popped into the Laugh Factory, and he he was like, "You work here?" I said, "Yeah," and. Like just the the look of disgust on his face. Oh! And the next day, I got a call from a lady, and she's like, "Hey, um, I I work on a Netflix show that DL Hughley's on. He said that uh, we need to hire you on as a writer, otherwise he's Whoa. gonna walk off the show." Holy smokes! And so I had to like it's walk into. Breeze. I was like, I had to walk into Jamie's office and be like, "Hey, I just got an offer to write on a TV show," and Jamie was very supportive. He's like, "Buddy, buddy, that's what we're here for, buddy. Go take it, buddy. Good luck." And, was uh, Jamie managing you? Too, no, or was, okay, no, it was okay. just purely like I was just in a tough situation. Jamie okay. gave me a job to help me out. out. Yeah, that's really awesome. And then, uh, so then, yeah, so I was writing on that show. Nice to hear a story on that in, <laughs> on that checklist. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Yes. Yeah, so then, uh, did the the Netflix show with DL? We did that. Uh, we, we did twelve episodes of that. It was called The Fix. Uh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it like came and went. Uh, what kind of show? It was a panel show and a, like a talk show, uh, kind of like. Almost in the vein of uh, of real time, but uh, a little bit more on global issues. Uh, but comedian... you got political. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was uh, moderated by a comedian, a British comedian named Jimmy Carr. Love Jimmy Carr. And DL was a uh, DL was a staple in the show for all episodes. So then, uh, then after oh, that, oh wait a second, I think we did see an episode or so of this. This was uh, it was Jimmy in the middle, and yeah. it was like panel on both sides. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was yeah. interesting. It reminded me more of debate team debate <laughs> club, it, how it was set up. It right, was like a, more like a game show than a talk show. Yeah, and then at the end, they both had to present an argument. The audience would vote on like yes. which right. argument they like better. Right, and that only went twelve. Yeah, we I only feel did like twelve. I could get a uh, well, I guess Netflix was struggling with talk at the time, and yeah. so they couldn't like I guess find a way to justify bringing it back. They were struggling with talk for a time. I haven't answered all of their problems, but they haven't called me yet. <laughs> and I don't mean this. <laughs> right. Uh so then uh yeah, I was on the road with DL and then um after a while, like in the beginning of two thousand nineteen DL started like canceling my road dates with him, and I thought, oh geez, did I did I piss him off? Did I did I do something to get to make him mad? But 
it was just um he just had a lot like he's very generous he's such a generous guy so if people need work he's willing to give them work so at one point he had like four openers before him and he already like that who just always taking care of the stable yeah he runs long as it is like he will do at least an hour and 15 on stage plus you have the four openers so the shows are running long clubs are complaining so i start getting dates canceled and then uh, out of the blue, I get a call one day and said, hey, uh, DL's got a, a nightly talk show. I was told to uh, bring you on as a like a writer producer. And then the more we kind of like got into it, um, I kind of became like sort of like the de facto head writer. But it feels weird to say it was a head writer because it was like a very much a collaborative process between the other consultants on the show and DL. And you don't want to take that heat. Well, I mean, like, really, I was just the guy who would bust out a laptop and write down everyone's ideas. <laughs> oh, he was organized. <laughs> That's all it was. In comedy land, that goes so far. <laughs> it's true. I need that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't wait to find him for us. <laughs> uh, okay, so. So, um, yeah, so the, it was a fun gig. But you were on the air, too. Yeah, I, I mean, would come on like the air. Co-host. At the beginning, we, we were still, like, it took us a, maybe, like, a, few, a couple of months to kind of find figure out what we were doing because we had some very strict regulations because he was he had a radio show and the original idea was to take the radio show and put it on tv like what they used to do with howard stern sure. uh but then apparently everybody thinks they can do that well, they did it with imus for a bit too. yeah but you know here's the weird thing is apparently the network didn't like it when you compared when i would like talk about stern and be like oh yeah yeah that's how they did it on stern and they would be like offended like no we're doing something original here like, oh i see Uh, Like, I mean, and I remember in the creatives bubble, brother, (laughs) I remember one of our early meetings, it's important, (laughs) sculpting mashed potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) One of our early creative meetings, the executive producer was like, "Uh, you know, if you just want to get an idea format, just look at old Howard Stern show clips. (laughs) And I am a huge Stern show fan. I'm a super fan. I listen every day. Anybody doing a version of this is all doing that. Right. So, I mean, like I would just look at it for reference and I would talk to, I would talk to Baba Booey when we were in pre-production being like okay so when you guys were working on this like trying to translate that to TV how did it work that kind of stuff was he good with you Baba Booey's great Baba Booey and guy ever right yeah and then uh, their their other executive producer Jeremy he was like really helpful for me at the beginning what's it probably works with Baba Booey uh, Bob, Jeremy's like the, the he doesn't like to be named on air behind the oh, scenes executive producer then yes I know exactly who you mean and I love Gary I love Baba Booey he's yeah, such a good he's, dude he's awesome he's a, uh, I didn't mean to make it about him but there's a book behind you that he signed that's such a nice thing to me because she is, surprised me he's just, is, he's, it, he's is it a copy of They nice Call Me us. Baba Booey yeah okay cool because like it'd be weird if you got him to sign a copy of Miss America or something <laughs> <laughs> my menu from whatever yeah. wherever I was that night <laughs> Um, so sorry. So so um, yeah, we uh, he was very good with uh, being generous. Yeah, he giving. was. He gave me advice if I needed it. He would come through with uh, troubleshooting. And then after a while, like once we, so we would kind of just rotate who was in the room, and then then we had like an open door policy, and then it got a little too confusing. So then finally, my role was kind of relegated to. And these were DL's words exactly. You're going to be the Baba Booey of the show, <laughs> and I was so happy with that because <laughs> it was like a lot. Because DL drives the show, and a lot of times, you know, I'm not the kind of person where I like to, like, I try to fight to get my joke in or try to fight to get right, my right, right. argument in. And so I when there's, yeah, there's like five people in the room, I don't want to be that guy. So it just looks like I don't say anything on screen. But <laughs> when I'm in the Baba Booey mode, 
I can just come in the room, and because I've come in the room, DL knows I have something to say, mm-hmm. and he will give me the floor, and I would just pop in, make my quick joke, get the fuck out. Dude, that is so awesome. <laughs> and that's so much better because it's no – I didn't even know you could do – that's not even a, 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 like a track you can take to go from young Benji to Baba Booey. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Those are two – that's yeah. right. that's not a path. <laughs> well, uh, if you're if – you're, uh, what helps uh, to get out of the Benji mode is you show up to work on time. That's – Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a big thing. <laughs> That's hysterical. Uh, I love that now we're turning it into a, 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 a conversation all about Howard Stern right. and the uh, people from Howard Stern. I could talk about Howard for, for – I was actually – you, you know fan? what's interesting is I was kind of up for a job at Howard before I got the DL job. What kind? Uh, like a, doing, doing like a, a writer thing, like a Mamet type position. And, uh, and then I was in uh, Jeremy's office and we're kind of like doing the, the sort of – secondary interview and it's been it's been a slow interview process throughout this whole thing it's taken over a year at this point for me to even like get in the room and then jeremy says uh you know by the time we're ready to make you an offer you're going to be producing a show for dl hughley and i said that's not gonna happen (laughs) and then wait a second literally called it like that yeah that's exactly what he said Nice. And then I had to call him a few months later and said, hey, so uh, your prediction came true. I, I taking myself out of the running for this job at Stern and taking this job at the D.L. Hughley show. Wow. All right. Well, now that that's over, have you called uh, Jeremy? First call I made after we got canceled. <laughs> I'm in play. Yeah. Wow. Well, that would be pretty cool. Would you move to New York? I would for that absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's a career. That's, a that's career but, job. but just just you don't you don't know how long how much longer he's going to be on the air. So take that opportunity. <laughs> pretty sure this can. next negotiation is it. He yeah. wants out. That's it. Yeah, he's I mean, been doing it forever. He keeps threatening that this is it. That that's his contract's I mean. up. Is it next year? This is or, he I, resigns yeah. every. I think it's time. actually end of this year because Ronnie's out at the end of this year. Yeah, but is he gonna? Is he really leaving? That's what he says. I we'll heard see. That too. Ronnie the limo driver yeah, says he's moving to Vegas with Stephanie and retiring because Where in is theory he? He's not in the shot there. You can see him, I can't see him. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Ronnie the limo driver is going to be moving into a veterinary clinic uh, to run with Stephanie in Vegas. And so because Howard's contract is up in December and they're not sure if he's going to resign or not, Ronnie's like, "I'm out. I'm leaving." Wow. So he's going to go wow. kill people's animals in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, whatever do. <laughs> Um, all right can we uh throw all of that shit away and just start like a a fresh year what do you want to start what What kind of kid were you that got you into comedy to the point where you're doing it at this level today uh i was not the class clown by any means i was definitely a troublemaker i was the kid who was always questioning authority and uh in trouble very fine that's such a i mean that is the same as the class clown it's just there's a fork in the road I guess, yeah. Disruptor. Um, Yeah, exactly. Um, And then as far as, like, being a comedian goes, my dad and I used to watch sitcoms a lot. Because my dad was, I was born really late to my dad. He was was an older guy, and so he wasn't very active. So my dad was 50 when I was born. Whoa! Yeah. I was the the accent. I thought that was old. Yeah. uh, No, my eldest brother is 17 years older than me, and my middle brother is 15 years older than me. So (laughs) definitely the accent. (laughs) So my dad wasn't active. He wasn't active. So he would come home from work. He would watch Jeopardy. He would eat a salad. He would eat his dinner. And he would just watch sitcoms. And, like, he loved trying to predict the next joke in a sitcom. And usually he would get it right. And he would have been like, I should have been a scriptwriter. <laughs> he had the formula. Yeah, he figured it out. And uh, and so I guess 
and he probably could have been a scriptwriter had he ever applied himself of course, in that way. Of yeah. course. Uh, so I guess I subconsciously like got it in my head that like sitcoms were important, and I needed to like kind of get my own sitcom or make a sitcom or something. And you know, at the time when I was growing up, it's Seinfeld, Mad About You, Home Improvement, Ellen, and I guess all the biggest standups. It's like you have to be a stand-up comedian to to be in control of your own sitcom and. So then I said, okay, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian so I can get my own sitcom one day. Wow. All right. Well, you have done very well so far along that path. You seem to be a focused guy, I'm guessing. I I guess so. <laughs> well, I mean, have, were you selling used cars in the middle there somewhere between that and what I know you to be doing today? Okay. Uh, well, I've had a lot of different jobs. Uh but to pay the bills. To pay, not- I'm saying, like, to pay the bills, I've had a lot, like, you know... Um, but what that's I, not taking your focus away, I'm No, guessing. no, no. Uh, there was one point where, uh, when I first moved out to Los Angeles, I got a job... Uh, I, I used to be a, a video editor, and oh. I got a job offer at the company, but they wanted me to work the graveyard shift editing, and I was just so depressed over that because... I'm in a dark room all day anyway, let alone overnight. Yeah, so now I'm like, well, now I can't go hit mics. I can't do stand-up. This is, a, this is like the worst thing to ever happen to me, but I need a job. I need money. I got to pay, pay bills. So you already wanted to be a stand-up while you were editing. You were already I, I started doing stand-up when I was 18. I was a, I was a freshman in college. We're, skip it all. Go back to that. <laughs> okay. Where did you go up first? Uh, I went to the Backdoor Comedy Club in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Still to, in existence, isn't it? It is. Uh, they just moved to a new location. Uh, the, my first time there was July 3rd, 2003. Okay. And I remember the date because I invited all my friends to come see me do stand-up for the first time. <laughs> And they all said they were going to show up, and then none of them showed up because they wanted to go see fireworks for Fourth of July. Didn't they know about the bomb that was about to go off? Yeah. How'd you do? First time I did uh, the way I remember it. The first time I did well. Ah, it's the worst. And, and I, then I remembered that, and then and, I went up again. And then uh, I think I probably started bombing shortly after that. Uh, yeah. But it would have to, I guess. Yeah, but the it, so like that was a. Um, it was an interesting experience, like because also my when I was a kid, my middle brother did stand up when he was in college, and so um, he knew a lot of like he knew the owners of the club, uh-huh. he knew a lot of those people, and so that I the lady the club owner was saying to me, you know, we remember your brother's act pretty well, so if we see you doing oh, one joke of his on there, we're gonna give you the light and take you off stage. And I was like, I can never get out of this guy's shadow. Come on. That's interesting. It's the same thing in grade school, right? Yeah. You do one fucking thing. I remember when your brother used to do yep, that. Yeah, okay. exactly. Wow. So, but I, yeah, I did well. And I was, uh, you know, at the beginning, I, w- I got pretty cocky pretty early on because I was doing really well. Like I was getting, I think I got my first spot at the at the improv in Dallas within five or six months of doing stand-up. And so I like I had to, I've had good. to be humbled a few times in my career. But what did cocky look like for you? You know what I mean. What did the the kid who got up there uh, uh, in five months? That didn't, is pretty short. For I'm, most I didn't. I wouldn't go to shitty bar open mics. Uh, I I thought I was oh. better than that. I wouldn't do it. And I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't really. I would only work on material like at the cl- like I'd go to the back door every week and I'd work on material there. And then I would expect to get spots at the improv. And then after a while, like the manager of the improv said, you know, all these guys grind every night. Why do you deserve a spot more than they do? And that was sort of like the first humbling. You didn't have an answer. No, I didn't. I didn't. And I was like. (laughs) He's laughing in the other room. (laughs) 
And so then I started going to shitty bar open mics. And, and also I found because of my sort of attitude, I wasn't as like ingrained in the community there. So I didn't really have a relationship with a lot of the, the guys doing the, the open mics and coming up at that time. And so I'm kind of glad that happened because, yeah. you know, then I was able to be in the comedy community there. And, you know, some, some of the guys that I came up with are all like working now. And it's like, I still consider them really close friends and it's great to see them like succeed. Well, that's a good, healthy lesson to learn, too, yeah. I think. And then it probably happens to everybody I, yeah. along the path at some point, right? I mean, if you read Kevin Hart's book, there's a, a couple of chapters in there where he talks about how cocky he got and how he had to be humbled and stuff like that. So, uh, Kevin Hart is humbled? Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Good to hear. <laughs> I worked yeah. with him when he was not famous at all on a, on a uh, pilot Okay. Uh, with him and Chris O'Dowd before he was famous and uh, Oliver Hudson before he was famous except for his family lineage. And uh, and and he was hungry and he was awesome and and I'm sure he still is awesome but I can't imagine he's that Wait, hungry. which pilot was this? Was this in North Hollywood? It was uh, the the Jed Apatow one? No, it was called The Weekend. It was okay. written by a guy named Ed Rowe. This was uh done at Paramount gotcha. in like 2005, 6 something like that. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. It's called The Weekend. Did I say that? It's yes. called The Weekend, yeah. yeah. Because because you, all the, the cast you me, the cast you mentioned are all like people and like oh yeah Judd uses them is this the Judd pilot oh yeah well it was before bridesmaids and all that stuff it was before anybody was using Chris O'Dowd or Kevin Hart yeah you know, they were just people who were hungry out there grinding I always tell it's kind of funny because they had uh, Chris O'Dowd is is uh, sort of famous for the way he talks and the fact that he has an accent and uh, and. Uh, <laughs> Our producers didn't like it, or the studio didn't like it, or whatever. So they brought in a dialect coach to Americanize him in the oh, whole wow. bit. And at the, they, it was not not only was he, he was so bad at trying to be American <laughs> that they ended up dubbing it anyway. Huh? And then either way, it's still not Chris O'Dowd who was funny as fuck when he was himself in the audition. Right? He wasn't just got famous, just so got there's choked. no point to having him. Yeah, I think this, it's you know how these things work. Yeah, it has you know, nothing to do with the material. It's just like I don't want to work with that producer or that writer, so they just fucking they'll right? Oh yeah. yeah. Pilot, uh, we're in the thick of pilot season now, and it's a it's a nightmare. Like uh, that, there was that movie, the TV set about yeah, pilot that was season. An Apatow. Well, That's an Apatow. On that? like, um, one of his first. I, I think, yeah, it's like he, Duchovny. He, uh, David Duchovny kind of, I, from what I understand, David Duchovny basically plays Judd. No shit. I have, I don't know that I've ever actually seen it. I'm just aware that it exists. Yeah, and it's about pilot season, and I've talked to like I didn't know anything about the show. I think I can't we wait. even have it. Yeah, I uh, I've talked to casting directors and showrunners and creators and stuff, and I was like, is pilot season actually like that for you guys? And they're like, oh god, it's so. My my friend Greg Malin says uh, that I can't watch that movie because it's so accurate. It just makes me sad. That's never comfortable. That's uh, heavy. I used to get questions like when Swimming with Sharks came out before oh, Kevin was whatever. And that was the question. But like no one understood. Because of that, who like, you used to work for. And how that all worked? Because you were an assistant? I was probably. Yeah, probably. Looking back, probably. Um, but Do you remember that Swimming with Sharks? Of course. Brewery. I was just about to ask you about Equal and uh, Equal. And, it's not Splenda. It wasn't Splenda back then. No, it was it's a Sweet and Low. Sweet and Low. That's what it is. They are yeah. not the same. Yeah. <laughs> God. They're not. They taste totally different. But um, I, I learned things, weird things from my boss. And, like, there's real pieces. So you know there's real pieces to that script because real things happen. And you know people that real things happen to. Yeah, I was going to say whoever. I don't think there was anything fa- uh, uh, fabricated for that. I'm sure every single thing that Buddy Ackerman did in that movie has been done to an assistant. Yeah. In, oh. You had a, a burrito thrown at your head. Yes, I did. I threw it back. But <laughs> it was thrown at me. Kept her job by throwing it back. <laughs> it's true. 
All right, back to you, brother. Sorry. <laughs> no, Unless fine. you want to. Why don't you interview her? That'll be fun. Hey, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's talk. Who was your old boss? <laughs> I'm not going to name his name. We're having After uh, that. a meeting up next week. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Okay. But an industry are you, But you're going to you're going to a Mexican restaurant, right? Get some burritos, know. right? We, yeah. we did Chipotle. go to a lot of Mexican. What's that place next to Jones on 3rd? It shares a bathroom. Um, shoot. In West Hollywood. We just talked about it. We did go to Me- He knew Mexican restaurants well. El Compadre? Yeah. That's the one. Okay. Oh, it was in uh, Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood. Yeah. That's fine. No, El, El, El Coyote. Coyote was. El Coyote was. El Coyote That's was. right. Yeah. That's right. Shit. Yeah, well, one of those. Wow. Next this, question. This is, the, this is the podcast where everything just fucking <laughs> just nailed. Just, <laughs> I'm not on my game today. No, no, no. I, it was me. It was me before, too. I'm enjoying it. I'm glad you're here for it. Hey. I'm, Thanks I'm, for being I'm the happy. Best thing I, going on. I'm happy to be. I love being on the train wreck, sir. You're right? un, so you're unemployed, and uh, that's how that goes. What's your next question, sir? <laughs> Wait. Did you just. Yeah. yeah you just weird. accused me of being unemployed and then said, what's your next question? You're asking me. <laughs> Put you right on there. I'm the asshole for calling out the obvious, but we were doing questions and you don't have a job currently. <laughs> I don't have a job currently, except I guess in theory I'm a stand-up comedian full time now. Right. In the sense that I don't have another job. Yeah, right. but I don't know. I think of you as being in play. I really do. I think of it as being an yeah. athlete who's a free agent and like you're just the next thing is about to pop. I mean, you're on a good trajectory. I feel that too. You're not going away. I, How I, do you feel about it? Because it seemed like for a moment there, <laughs> the unemployed thing struck a nerve. <laughs> no, I, I, what I do best. I'll tell you, like <laughs> it's it was it was nice to have a job. It was nice to have a place to go every morning. It was nice to, and it was it was a fun job. It was an easy job. Yeah. And I really, I loved DL and like everybody that we worked with, all the consultants, all the, like everyone from the hair and makeup people to the wardrobe to like just the assistants. Like we had a very small crew, probably about 20 people total. And so everybody knew each other. Everybody hung out with each other. And it was just like a lot of fun. Where'd you do it? We did it in Burbank at Rick D's studio. No. Yeah. The old Rick D radio studio? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. And Rick D's would pop in every every once in a while. No. And, yeah. You know, in my day, when we used to... Hey, do, how old are you? Do you mind if I ask? <laughs> I am 35. Oh, so you probably don't remember when Rick D's had a talk show. Uh, no. Into, into the Night with Rick D's. Honestly, remember I... Remember ha- that, Chaz? Remember that? <laughs> into, he fell off his chair laughing. Into the Night with Rick D's. <laughs> if it wasn't for the Howard Stern show... No, Did you, you really? He wrote on that show. No way. When Rick D's Into the Night came on, it was literally almost as bad as the Magic Johnson talk show. Oh. Down the worst talk show if we had Craig Shoemaker, the sidekick from that show. Oh, yeah. The one-day sidekick. Shoemaker was on that show. So they were pushing comedians out of, like, literally, like, the dirt pond to try to get them trying to stock the freaking show with some funny. Wow. funny. And Rick... As nice a guy he is, is like really particular about like who he wanted to be surrounded by. Right. And then when they fired him, they went through a slew of comedians hosting for. A week. Oh, like the Late Late Price. Show. Wow. And they hired Mark Price. No shit, your buddy, Mark from, from Skippy from Family Ties. That's what he always says. I say nobody gets that reference anymore. I'm trying to break him of that habit. <laughs> but apparently I'm wrong. <laughs> oh. I, I mean, look, I know he's leaned into that branding now. But no, if – if now. I mean, I'm saying like in the, in the last <laughs> – since, since his comedy career has blossomed uh, – <laughs> no, I know he wasn't on Blossom. He was on Family Ties. I understand. <laughs> 
Um, what's funny is, is like, you know, I say Skippy from Family Ties, and I almost wanted to say the catchphrase, but the catchphrase I was thinking wasn't his catchphrase. It was his nemesis's catchphrase. Nick, Nick yes. Was, wh- hey, hey Alex. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Mr. Keaton. Uh, hello, Nick. <laughs> wow. Thanks for going wow. with us on that one. <laughs> Do you that know, that's what we were all talking about. We were on the same page. You don't remember that show. I remember the show. He was a Mallory's. He was boyfriend, Mallory's boyfriend. Right? He was like a. Adult. He was like the boyfriend for her, and then like the they tried to. Yeah, he had the chain. one earring. He was an artist or a sculptor, <laughs> and then they they tried to spin him off, and the spinoff didn't work. They had a Nick show. Yes, <laughs> called Whoa with Nick. You know, I don't know what it was called, but it was like I think Nick moved to New York to try and be an artist. I and just remember leather jackets with the sleeves pushed up and the whole bit. I don't even think. I think. I think it was just a pilot. I don't think the pilot aired. Oh. I think you can go on YouTube and find like that Nick pilot somewhere. <laughs> this is a riot. All right. Well, what? What? She? She's right. Let's figure out what's next for you. What do you want to like in your perfect? Uh, you know, you're manifesting and you're just dreaming of what the hell would I? Like the Howard Stern gig sounded pretty. Oh solid, yeah, but, and if that happened, I would love to do it. Uh, but but but, but Mister, I want a sitcom someday because it's important to me and my dad and all right. that stuff. How do we get there? Is that still something you want to do? Oh, absolutely. It is. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Would... So let's make that happen. All What's, right. What would your sitcom be? It's um, about you because that's how right. these things uh, work. I would like to do – since a lot of my act is uh, – or a lot of what I do on stage is really just telling stories about my family and my life. So do something this autobiographical. Is this is perfect. Uh, do something like a – you know, if not like a – Seinfeldian type show, you know, maybe like my version of Everybody Loves Raymond, just something yes. about me and my parents, my relationship with my siblings, my relationship with the outside world. Does it take place now? Does it take place when Dude, you're now. younger? Dude, now? now? Your folks are still alive? Uh, my father passed away about two years ago. Sorry. And my mom uh, my mom is alive right now. She um, she lives with me for the moment. Sure. Uh, because I realized she couldn't kind of be by herself after my dad passed away, so I moved her in with me and uh you're such a good guy brother i mean i'm cutting you off the story because the kevin rooney thing as yeah. well and i mean he's got his own health problems and everything you're just a good guy you're helping people out i don't know this. about all that but, um you have a really big nice heart i try uh but i think my mom uh my mom does not like it out here so it looks like she's gonna try and move back to dallas and then i gotta figure out how we're gonna make that work well, especially with you going to New York to work on Howard's turn. Oh, wait. No, we're not doing that anymore. Now you're going to stay here for a pilot, and then we're going to get picked up. Hmm. So Have the show's you written a, it? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Got, uh, I've got a pilot uh, that uh, was circulating for a little bit, and I, I, was get, I would get called in on a lot of meetings, and every meeting I would go in on, be like, it would be like, uh, oh, we love this script. We love it. We love it. We love it. I'm like, all right, cool. Are you going to buy it? Are you going to make it? Uh, hey, so let us know when you write something else. Like mm. Hollywood. Yeah. What would you be doing? Like, are you going to be a stand-up comic? Like, Jerry was actually a stand-up comic, but Ray Romano was, I don't know what the hell. He, he was, was a sports, sports writer. writer. I, I think be- I would, um, like, if it was, uh, like, the script that I that we had written, um, that, that we was circulating for a bit, um, I, w- my dad was a professor, so, and there was a period of my life where my dad was a professor, and I worked at the same university that he worked at, like, in his department, but for a wow. different professor. So I was sort of like, that was the job as I was a professor's assistant at the same university my dad taught at. So we would like interact at work a lot. And so it was sort of like sometimes the home life would carry into the work life and then vice versa. Yeah. It's a shame. The best name has already taken the apprentice. (laughs) (laughs) You fired. (laughs) 
Uh, well, and would you? Is this what you're thinking? Like, put it in that world where you guys would interact? Yeah, the- like uh, because you know there would be. It's like you know. I love I love this because I've not seen that before. We've done things in colleges, but not since like different world really. That right. That sort of. So it'd be like you know when I was a professor's assistant because uh, I didn't have control over grades or anything. I wasn't teaching. In theory, I was like allowed to date the students, <laughs> and so I never did. I never did, but, but that'll be the running gag. I could if I wanted to. I <laughs> yeah. Could. So there's like uh, there's like that kind of stuff where it was like it's uh, you know like okay if I'm dating a student and I bring her home to meet my parents this is weird now because like what if it's my dad's student and there's that yeah. aspect of it and then um you who, know what oh sorry Don't, no go no, ahead no did I cut you off I didn't want no, to no, go go for it who would play your dad in an ideal world uh, you have the, a sitcom and you can pick it the the actor that I really would have liked to have played my dad passed away. Um, You're fucking batting a thousand. Because right? <laughs> no, so, so I remember um, my dad and I went to go see this film that Paul Reiser made called The Thing About My Folks. And Reiser was doing a Q&A afterwards. And um, Peter Falk played his dad. And Reiser said, he's, uh, he said, the reason I chose Peter Falk is I said to my dad, if I ever do a film about us, who would you want to play you? And he said, Peter Falk. And so then I turned to my dad and I said, if I ever did a, a show with you and I, who would you want to play you? And he said uh, – this actor, Indian actor, he's a British actor named Om Puri, and um, he was in this movie that my dad and I really like called Bollywood Calling. He just crushes it. He's just like really funny in this movie, and he passed away maybe about like three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. So now um, there's two actors that I think because uh, you in a there's no actor that can do like my dad's sort of age range with the proper accent that work in America right now, in my opinion. Okay. So we'd have to like pull from the Bollywood scene. And the two actors I would want is either this, uh, this actor named Kamal Hassan or another actor named Amitabh Bachchan. And everyone used to say to my dad when I was, uh, when I was growing up that my dad looked like Amitabh Bachchan. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's really cool. That's super cool. Hmm. Are these uh, I, no, not being familiar with either of those names? Right. Uh, are they funny actors, or are they just really good actors who would fit the part well? They're, they do it all. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, uh, they do dramatic stuff. They do funny stuff. But I think part of the beauty of because my dad, though my dad was like funny with me, he's such a serious guy to everybody else. Really? So I think also part of the comedy comes from having like a dramatic actor just be stern. Yeah, and some of the best comedies played straight. I go to Ghostbusters every time. That movie's so good because they're not joking. Right. And then if you look at Naked Gun, like the reason it works is because Perfect. Leslie Nielsen plays it like he's in a drama. Yep. Spencer Tracy in uh, It's Mad, 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 Mad World. It's my all-time favorite. Yep. It's one of my all-time favorite comedies. Maybe maybe movies. I mean, that movie is a big game changer for it a lot of ways. Like even technically, it's because it was the first to be shot in CinemaScope. It was the first one. That's right. That's amazing to me. We have the, you know, whatever. I've had, I've, that was one of my dad's... I'm going to back this up just for two seconds. <laughs> Everything you said about you and your dad and the way you shared and all the things, I have that with my dad as well. And his stuff was talk shows and Jackie Gleason and the other right. all that stuff. So it's 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 the same wheelhouse. Uh, um, uh, I don't know where the hell I was going with that, but it doesn't matter. I, I just – I adore this whole thing with you. I think that you um, are going to have this sitcom, and I think that you need to spend more time thinking about it. Okay. I'm not kidding. Right. I don't know why I'm saying that because <laughs> there's no reason to. I don't know you that well that I'd be like, oh, you've got so many irons in the work. One of them gonna... <laughs> no, I've just got a weird feeling about it because these stories work out. Ours is working out right now. 
You know what I mean? Like this is a thing. My dad always wanted to see this. Right. Um, you know my history a little bit, right? Like yeah. I did this in my high school, and I was like, I, yeah. And, the and then time. and then I know that there, I know that the you're gonna die not telling us how you got Letterman's desk. Uh, oh, I'll tell you. What do you want to know? How'd you get it? Oh, uh, a, a museum had uh, had it. Uh, the chairs, the and the desk, and uh, um, we were at the right place in the right time for the phone call when they were getting rid of it. It was never displayed. When the show was done with it in the '90s, they gave it to this museum in Queens. And um, and they just uh, stored it. They stored it all those years, and they never uh, displayed it. So when it came time, we <laughs> were starting this whole thing up, and we had this microphone story I was trying to tell. And it kind of – this is sort of why I'm telling you I think your thing's going to work out because I decided I wanted to tell David Letterman a thing about this microphone. And then the desk and chairs it got, came from got – you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. weird how the universe works, especially when you do the work to manifest and build all well, of the it's, – It's interesting you say that because like um... – you know, my dad and I, uh, I remember us, we used to watch the Hughleys on TV every week. Mm-hmm, and I remember too. we watched, we got the DVD of Original Kings of Comedy, and this is, you know, Bernie Mac's not famous yet. My dad knows Steve Harvey and Cedric from Steve Harvey show. Hughleys has just come on the air. So, like, DL is, like, the one that we're really interested in because mm-hmm. the sitcom is, he's new. It's he's fresh. new. He's new to us. Right. And I remember us thinking, like, oh. <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I remember us thinking like, oh, this guy's really like to us. He was the one who stood out the most from the four guys in original King's comedy. And then um, right before my dad passed away, uh, I, we, the plan was to move him into uh, moving. He was six. So the plan was to move him to Los Angeles so I could you know be closer to him, take care of him. So I went back to Dallas to pack up his stuff. And the room I was staying in in his house, the TV had a broken remote and I was trying to channel surf. I got stuck on a channel that was doing a Hughley's marathon, and I couldn't change the channel. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I this like this show. Fine, I'll, I'll watch it. And then the next day, I went to a, a restaurant in Dallas, and I saw D.L. Hughley sitting down at the restaurant. And had I not been watching the show the night before, it would not have occurred to me to see him in Dallas, Texas, exactly. out, out of context. And that's how it all started. And it's it, If you've got that mojo, brother, lean into it. Figure out what you're doing because it works. I'm serious. There's weird stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm I, telling you, I, go for it. Yeah, but, <laughs> keep uh, doing what you're doing. Yeah. Don't think about it too much. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I, I don't think a lot. <laughs> I don't buy that at all. Me either. You're so cerebral. Uh, what do you have coming up? I know you're doing some Russell Peters. Oh shows. yeah, uh, if you're in Houston this weekend, uh, tomorrow night, Thursday, I'm uh, headlining uh, a place called the Secret Group in Houston. Okay. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I am with Russell Peters at the Houston Improv. So very cool. Uh, that'll be fun. And, and see, he's not unemployed. He's doing dates all over the place. What are you talking uh, about? Crazy. And then uh, I, d- <laughs> I don't have use of my faculties today, and I will use that excuse until it doesn't work. No, meaning the the comedy thing is always there, but having the show is I nice got it. Sorry, have. dude. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> hey, you know what? Maybe maybe I could use like a publicist if mm. you want to come out of retirement and, and spin some uh That's some the one maybe. you want? Yeah. Did you hear that? What she just did there? Yeah, why not? I'm good. You are good. <laughs> she knew to throw that burrito back in the guy's face. I, I love that literally story. thought about it, and I was like, it could go either way. But he threw a burrito. But I'm going to leave with my self-respect. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. She the threw the burrito back, and now he's he's taking her out for burritos next week. It's <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll remind him of that. 
Um, what else? How about social media? How do people find Social you? media. Uh, Instagram, God Hates J. It's just the letter J. God Hates J. You son of a bitch. And, uh, well, it, is that really what it is? It is. God Hates J, it, just it, the letter J. Yes, but I also... So I. <laughs> Here's the thing is, I'm so stupid that I didn't realize it's so easy to change your Instagram handle. Yeah. And so I <laughs> I, I had, like, my original Instagram handle, which was my name, and then I was like, I think I want to get God Hates J. And so then I signed up for a brand new Instagram account under God Hates J, J-A-Y, and then I realized, oh, I could have just changed my handle. So I tried to cancel the account, but it still won't let me ke- get that handle, even though that there's no... <laughs> wow. This is crazy pants. So there's but that. But I get it. I was only saying because my name is just right, the letter J. Right. I'm so offended now. So There's yeah, a whole website dedicated to the God hates J on Instagram. It's got your dates on it. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter is God hates J actual J A Y, but I'm locked out of Twitter, so that Come does me on. no good. What? Because you put, you got blocked. Uh, oh, you too, Chaz. <laughs> I used the word bullet in a punchline, just responding to somebody's. And Twitter locked me out. I had to call my publicist or a friend of mine who's a publicist because technically your wife would be my publicist. You asked me. I told you what to do. I know. It would have been fixed a long time ago. I thought this would be quick. I wanted to hear I wanted to hear both. No, I want to hear both. I, okay, so you're kicked out for saying bullet, and what's your deal? Okay, so um, there's this guy named Dinesh D'Souza. He's like a real piece of shit. Uh, he, Sorry. <laughs> uh <laughs> He's a public figure. You can look him up. He was pardoned by Trump. Um, oh, this is why. Oh, blocked. and we're back. <laughs> so I, I got on Twitter. A so few, what he got? It was this is a real thing. Okay, so yeah, so I got on Twitter. I guess like a while ago because this guy says like some really like in my opinion he makes Indian people look bad. And he says some really anti, some oh, really inflammatory. You have a legitimate beef. Yeah, like so, like I, I this guy has no idea who I am. But I despise him. I know a lot of pe- Indian people despise him. Uh, so I, I guess I, I got drunk or something one night on Twitter and just started trolling him. And then in 2018, this guy was – so this is like 2014 probably. 2018, the guy gets pardoned by Trump. And right after he gets pardoned by Trump, Twitter flags one of those tweets that I made and says you have to delete it to get back into Twitter. And then right after this guy got pardoned – he got on Twitter, started using the hashtag burn the Jews. And I was like, well, why does this guy get to be on Twitter and use that hashtag? But I have to be I have I have to be locked out for talking shit about this guy. That doesn't seem right. So I refused to delete the tweet. And so I So they deleted you. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not gonna I'm fine. I'm fine not being on Twitter. Yeah, I, I mean I stand by your thing there. I don't know. It's up there with the comedians apologizing these days. It's like if you didn't mean what they think you mean, don't apologize. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, that guy's a piece of shit, and... Yeah, uh, and you clearly mean it. Yeah. Yeah, all right, well, good for you. I'm sorry about your Twitter. Yeah, whatever. you're on Instagram and all the other stuff, I'm right? on Instagram. I think my Instagram has more followers than my Twitter to, to ever did. Oh, and... there you go. Uh, this is the part of the show where I'm going to ask you what your final thoughts are. If there's anything you want to leave people with, uh, you know, peace on earth or uh, your favorite car or uh, the smelliest mic you ever worked with at a comedy show on the road. You know what I mean? Anything you want. Final thoughts. Oh, you want to know my favorite car? Uh... No, anything you want. My favorite car is a DeLorean DMC-12. <laughs> Why? I'm obsessed with the movie Back to the Future. Did you know anything about me and my connection with that stuff before? No. I've had a handful. Of, I've had a couple of them. I, I know you like Porsches. I didn't yeah. I didn't know anything about your DeLorean love. We'll talk. Uh, I don't have any okay. DeLorean love. But at one point, I, I had a pretty uh, 
fine affection for the car. And uh, John DeLorean's daughter, Catherine DeLorean, is one of my closest friends in the world. Uh, I've I've heard it's a shitty car. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I think they're fine. It is what it is. But uh, you know, I, um, I wouldn't want to own another one. That's for sure. Like uh, I I remember. Uh, I was talking to uh, so I guess Spike Ferriston wanted to have Seth MacFarlane on his car show, mm-hmm. and he wanted Seth to like bring his DeLorean on, and he was like, "I hate the DeLorean; it never runs, always in the shop, too heavy, blah blah blah." And he's like, the "Guy who built that," and he was Seth's like, car. "Yeah," he was like, "I want you to come on my show and say exactly that." So, because pe- people I, they romanticize this notion of the DeLorean because of the movie, why don't you talk about how it's such an impractical car to have? And uh, yeah, it's not very practical. Yeah, the trunk's big, but it's all flat. Like you could carry a bunch of pizzas. I uh, I'm gonna be in Houston this weekend, where the factory is. So I, maybe I can go test drive one. Uh, they are, yeah, it, totally. It, it, let me know if you really want to do that. I'll make a phone call. Actually, set you, up. Y- you know what? I'm just I'm James taking up on that. Yeah. We're doing it. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah. That's not the right guy. I, like Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn is the guy. James Espy used to run the company. Okay, then yeah, I'm test driving a DeLorean this weekend when I'm in Houston. Yeah, they'll set you up for sure. I'm sure. Okay, beautiful, awesome. Uh, is that it? Do we do it? It's been a weird day. All. Weird it's... day. Sorry, bro. Thanks for coming over. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for Jessler, being here for you. the weird day. It's weird. <laughs> Mrs. Ryan, uh, who do we have tomorrow? Tomorrow's Paul Kramer. <gasps> I'm yeah. excited for that. All right, Paul uh, Kennel. Paul Kennel from the Auto Kramers. Uh, Going to be here to talk Can't about. Uh, they've got uh, their open house for Lit Week, and they've got new merch coming out, and just all the fun stuff. He does tons of rallies and everything. Uh, I love you so very much, love Jay. You. We love you so very much. I love the Ryan. Jay, the gay handyman. <laughs> we never, we never. T- can, can we just tell everybody really quick where that came from? I didn't make that up. Do we need to also do a commercial plug for the? Uh, it's late. Uh, put it in. You put it in. Uh, yeah. Right. It always goes in the break. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Uh, gay handyman. Okay, so when I was in college, I had a group of friends. Uh, oh, was college. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so okay, back when MySpace was a thing, my friend, my friend Mark Blair made his MySpace Clark Flair. Because it rhymed with his name, and so then it was a group of us that were friends. So then we all just started doing like these MySpace pages with our rhyming names. And so my friend Adam Conway was Madam I'm on my way, and then I became Gay Handyman. And, <laughs> and there you have it. The rest is history. All right, we love everybody. Please love one another. We'll see you tomorrow with uh, Paul Kramer and the Auto Kennels. <laughs>